Welcome to Sips of Strangers, I'm Liz Mannion. And I am Allie Stewart. Allie, how's it going? Doing pretty well. Happy that we are making another one of these today. Oh yes, we are just on a roll right now, you know what? And guess what? We are on, you might be listening to us not from Podbean, but from Spotify or Apple Music. How did that even happen? I don't know, we just became prisoners to the man, I guess. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it too. I think like, you know, we're really gonna expand our listening market to um, uh, 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 people who are not from Podbean land. But honestly, to the original people who were listening, the original people who went on and listened to Podbean, made a stupid Podbean account, I tell you that you are the GOAT, you are the OGs, and we appreciate you. All you other assholes, keep listening, because, you know, that's what... Maybe one day we'll get paid for this, I don't know. Who knows? So how was your Halloween? It was good. I I wish that it had been longer, because there were still so many costumes that I wanted to wear. I had about four or five this year, and I I feel like I could have done more. So my sister um, was actually extremely invested in your... Oh god, which one? Um, in all of them, but she, like, because I know that the one, the Andy Warhol Museum or the mattress, the mattress factory one that you had where you were, like, a white and orange dot mannequin thing, I didn't understand what that was. Very few people did, actually. But my sister did. She was like, wow, she was like, I'm paying attention, she's like, I've been really following every single one of her costumes. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. So you were, um... You were Freddie Mercury. Yes. And Maggie Wall, shout out to her, um, was David Bowie, which was really good. Yeah, we went to Jekyll and Hyde, actually, the, the bar on the south side, and did karaoke there and sing a little Under Pressure. I was going to say, I, re- really, you decided to sing Under Pressure as Freddie well, Mercury and David Bowie? Well, I was dressed up like the I Want to Break Free music video of Freddie Mercury, and so I did that too, but a lot of people still didn't get the costume. They just thought you were a lady with a mustache. Yeah, yeah, I got some pretty pretty offensive questions from it, asking, like, who I was. They, they were just very far-out mm. questions. But, I mean, to each their own. Mm. I um, I felt pretty good about the costume. It yeah. felt good to wear a mustache. Yes. I, um, I went to the squirrel cage the other day mm. and handed out mustaches mm. while wearing mine. And it, it was a really good, really good set of moments. What else were you? Um, so I was a witch one day. Um, actually, I was witch two days, which was very fun. Oh, repeat costumes, though. I well, see. they were they were different versions of the same costume because okay. one was for work, so okay. you had to you had to yeah. do that. Okay. Good um, point. yeah. And then last night, which won't be last night by the time you hear this, but um, Max and I were Johnny and Lisa from the room, the Tommy Wiseau so movie. Oh. Um, yeah. Or the Disaster Artist, if that's how you know the movie. But okay. Will you? Maybe one day you guys should be Sid and Nancy. If I could convince him to do that, I would I would be very into that. I feel like he'd probably be into that, too. Yeah, he'd totally love to be Sid Vicious. He would put, like, glue in his hair. <laughs> I don't know if he'd let me do that. <laughs> um, I was... I'm trying to think what I was. I have, a, I have this thing with Halloween now. Like, I try to not do anything that's, like... I try to spend as little money as possible. So I was 
one day I was a cowgirl. I went to the Hellbender Ball at um, the Thunderbird, which was like amazing. Like it was the coolest experience ever. Um, shout out to WI, EPG, whatever they are. Um, great, great show. 100% 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, we'll probably talk more about that at our next pod. Um, but I was a cowgirl then, and then so for school, I work at a school right now, um, an anonymous school that remains, that wishes to be unnamed right now. Um, Maybe someday they'll love to be on this. Someday one. <laughs> they'll love to be on it, yeah. But for now. But for now, they're unnamed, and I was a... I was aiming to be a cowgirl, but I couldn't find my hat, so instead I was just a Canadian, which meant that I wore a denim shirt and jeans and a denim jacket. None of the middle schoolers got it. Well, they probably thought it was like a regular day for you. Yeah. Like many of your friends might have. <laughs> Definitely. I love a good t- Canadian tuxedo. Do you want to know what I was on Thursday night? Tell me. I was... I have like I for the this is an audio medium so for those of you listening who don't know what I look like um I have very like shaggy blonde hair that like falls in weird places and is like difficult to like work with on many occasions so I was Thor um I got a red plastic tablecloth <laughs> and I was gonna make a hammer but um like we ran out of aluminum foil, so I couldn't make a hammer, so I just walked around with a red plastic tablecloth and pretended that a bottle of wine was my hammer, and I just, like, talked like a weird Scandinavian person. It was pretty fun, I'm not gonna lie. And, like, so what's really funny is the cape was too long, and, like, when I, the tablecloth was too long to be a cape, so I, like, as I was on my way out the door, because I was in, like, a huge rush, I, like, cut it with a scissor and I didn't even like care what it looked like or whatever and my one friend who was like at the party that I was at was like holy shit like Liz you put a lot of thought into the way that like you cut the like because the cape is so ragged like how Thor's is and I was like uh-huh that was intentional it's exactly what I wanted to do <laughs> so you know I mean it worked out it always does it, it always, always does. does well we've got a great show for you guys, we are interviewing um, the coolest, most badass lady of all time. Uh, she is part of the family that founded Wiggle Whiskey. I'm so excited. I am so excited. If there's too. anything that I love more than like a local small business, it's a local small business that's being spearheaded by an incredible woman. Incredible. I am so excited. We're uh, taking a break from the musicians, guys. She might have secret music talents that we don't know about. We could be totally wrong on that. Maybe that's true, but I'll tell you what we're not taking a break from. Apparently whiskey, because we love our whiskey, and we love Wiggle Whiskey. Someday we'll get a sponsorship from whiskey, just in general. Just general whiskey. Just the entity of whiskey, because we do consume a good bit of it on this show. Oh, yes, we do. Well, it's most of the musicians' faults, but... It always is. It always is. <laughs> But today, um, I don't even know if we'll be consuming whiskey. Oh, right. The theme is whiskey. The theme is whiskey. I've heard that Mary Ellen Meyer from Wiggle Whiskey is bringing us something very special to drink today. Very special, yes. That might not even involve the namesake of the company. So. Who knows? But I will say, I think that this is probably the best interview we've done since Nick Snyder. And I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Every moment just to keep a job 
Mary Ellen. Welcome to Sips with Strangers. Hi, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks We're for glad to have you. We're so glad to have you. So tell us about um, the cocktail that we made. The sangria? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, actually was inspired. My husband and I were lucky to go to southern uh, Spain a month ago on a Smithsonian trip. And it was typical at a lot of the hotels that people would go in for um, a glass of wine or uh, a drink before dinner that the restaurant would make a big picture of sangria. And I haven't had sangria since college. And then we made it really badly. So I, my thought was, this is really going to taste bad because we used really cheap wine. This was in the 70s. And I cut up fruit and put it in to kind of cover up the taste of the wine, I guess. <laughs> and this was just delightful. And I learned that they weren't just made with wine. They were made with brandies and lots of things. So I started thinking, ooh, wiggle and threadbare. And when I came back, I had the people that work for both Wiggle and Threadbare that have just incredible palates, mm -hmm. much more refined than mine. And they put together some recipes and we pulled ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just very fun to come up with a white sangria and a rosé that we've been drinking today um, that um, I, I think for the holidays too, they're just especially uh, tasty and they used, it's just an explosion of fresh fruits. Um, in uh, a beautiful picture. And I also think it's, it's fun, it's a, um, a, a nice way to get people together. Um, just as we did at the labeling party today, uh, if you have people over for cheese and breads, um, it's nice to pull the picture out because it just adds such a, um, a nice mix of uh, flavors, mm -hmm. a nice compliment. And certainly for the holidays, it's fun because you can make it at night. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually, that's a preferred way to do it, to uh, put all the ingredients in a pitcher and just let it sit overnight because it pulls the colors, like the beautiful plums and strawberries and um, other uh, fruits that you had in there. It pulls those colors and, uh, and also the flavors. Well, I love, what, I love what you helped us make today. I think it's, it's very, very special. And today we put strawberries and lemons and kinds of pomegranate, all kinds mm -hmm. of things. So we, we didn't find the plum today, but for anyone that wants to make it, that's hearing about it now, I think that would be really yummy. And you mentioned another recipe that was in the yeah. rosé. Right, we did also a white sangria, and that one, we also used the apple brandy. I mean, you could use any of our rums, too. Those are really true brandies, and we have probably five different kinds of rums. With uh, the red, the rosé cider that you're drinking now, we use the rosé. Uh, side that we have at Threadbare, and then with the white um, uh, cider, or white sangria, I'm sorry, I'm saying the wrong words, with the white sangria that we make, we use the stamen wine sap uh, cider from Threadbare, and some of our, uh, there were three guys actually that are part of the production team that said you have to use the stamen wine sap. We probably have 20 different kinds of ciders over there now, but they felt this was the Christmas. This pulled the best flavors for that white sangria, and that was the one that was um, really quirky. I mean, in my own mind, I would have put the ingredients that are in the rosé one, but uh, they had really particular ideas. Like we used, they said, think color, colors of palette. Um, so we used whites and greens, so we used green grapes, white grapes. We used um, cucumbers, we used mint. Um, 
so that again, we made it and let it sit in the refrigerator overnight. And oh, it was just delightful. It's spectacular. It, it, wow. Truly, truly. So my, my Thanksgiving table, we're going to have both. And mm -hmm. People can have a little bit of each, because it's kind of like the cucumber one is nice with dinner, and then this one either before or dessert. Your Thanksgiving party sounds like it's going to be great. Sounds very fun. <laughs> do you typically have a lot of family come over for Thanksgiving? We do. We have um, we have some extended family, like the daughter, and she's um, I have a granddaughter and her husband typically come over. And then I have cousins down the area. I grew up in the area. So, um, yeah, and we like if somebody doesn't have a place to go, mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to Aww. be able to open it up because it happens. And it's, we happen to, because of Wiggle, we have a lot, you know, a lot of students that are uh, people that, you know, maybe from really far away and mm -hmm. they just don't have a place for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right, right. Family seems to play a really big role in the Wiggle business in Threadbare as well. Um, can you describe a little bit about how your family is so involved with the creation yeah, of this company? family um, created, so it was really, Mark, my husband and I were ready to retire. And as you know, I was an occupational therapist, Mark and um, we were pretty much set to retire, and our kids were um, uh, in and out of graduate school. And they were thinking also, and they all kinds of different degrees, public policy, um, Meredith was urban history, and then after the fact, we went on to uh, get a uh, degree in Tepper, an MBA, and her husband, Alex, is a lawyer like my husband. Uh, my son in Iowa, uh, who's least involved now, but he's a library director, if you look around Wiggle and you see the quotes from the 1700s, he's the guy that mm -hmm. sat in the back stacks of Carnegie Library mm -hmm. and found all those quotes on the microfilm. Mm -hmm. um, wow. <laughs> um, but it, it's an interesting um, uh, mix of skills. We all have a different skill set, and I think that's one of the reasons we were, were able to uh, pull it off, because we all give each other a lot of rage. Um, and what we do, my husband spent two years changing the law so we could do this, because I'm sure you know that Pennsylvania laws are very lucrative. And everybody said you'll never be able to do it, and he really persevered. So it had to go through like the House and the Senate and the governor mm -hmm. um, before it was signed. But if he hadn't done it, my kids knew they wanted to make, um, they wanted to be part of the, the craft movement. Mm -hmm. And they felt that wine and beer were somewhat saturated, and they loved the idea of whiskey. There were so many things that drew them to whiskey. Mm -hmm. And one of them was that it was sort of untapped in the area, but the other one was we have very deep roots in southwestern Pennsylvania. And mm -hmm. whiskey making actually started here. Mm -hmm. And the Whiskey Rebellion happened here mm -hmm. in the 1700s. And we lost our the history is so rich mm -hmm. and varied. But we lost all of it uh, because of uh, prohibition and then all the depressions and recessions that Pittsburgh went through. I think Shenley Distillery closed maybe in the 70s. So, and we're the first distillery to open since before prohibition. Uh, so, and the, uh, so that's sort of the old part of the history. But what my kids wanted to do was they wanted to do a craft. They wanted to do use local organic, mm -hmm. make everything here. Um, as you know, all the bottles are mm -hmm. hand labeled. Oh yeah. Um, we do things that maybe aren't as quick and efficient mm -hmm. as it could be or mass produced, but everything is done. We touched every bottle. You know, they're, they're all yeah. very carefully crafted. Um, uh, and.
place where we could do events, we wanted a community center, mm -hmm. uh, that we could give tours, that we could do tapes, and that was all included in the law, mm -hmm. which is really, we're now like a small uh, microbrewery or a small winery. Mm -hmm. We're in the same classification. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really important from the get-go, and actually Mark was our first distiller because mm -hmm. everybody else had jobs mm -hmm. and other jobs. And then our oldest was fin finishing up here, was finishing up a fellowship out in, um, in Tacoma, the state mm -hmm. of Washington, public mm -hmm. policy. Mm -hmm. But he was very aware of how cities run and so on. So when he came back, he was really the runner for the year, really getting the word out about Wiggle and finding channels mm -hmm. to do that. And then within that first one to two years, my timeline's a little foggy now, uh, but Meredith quit her job. She was a brand manager at Heinz. Um, and uh, Alex was actually doing corporate lot with SMAP, and he quit his job. And he's now head of production, and Meredith does pretty much all our marketing, a lot of product development. Um, and then my son, who was um, uh, doing a lot of the original tour work, uh, moved out to Iowa, so he's the least yeah. hands on. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, yeah, so that's, and then I, vegan OT, it was sort of natural. I do the labeling parties and I run the taste of world. I can only so, imagine how much your skills from OT have transferred into this environment. You know what, it's funny because I think if you've been at OT for 40 years, you don't even think about it. But things that were obvious to me, you know, I, now when I had to start training people, we needed to hire more staff. You know, I think, oh, I guess, you know, it's just something they never had to think about before. Mm -hmm. But um, for us doing OT, right, I mean, you're always thinking in terms of making it user-friendly and making it accessible mm -hmm. and uh, communicating about what it is you do and what your goals are and what you want them to get out of the experience right. of being there. Right. Even just making the work meaningful. You've turned labeling parties, which could be something mundane for some person, into it bi-weekly or two times a week event where people are coming together and sharing spaces and it's, being friends. It's fascinating. I mean, if I was a sociologist, I think you'd just have a field day. You know, <laughs> why people come to label and where they are in the ideas. You know, what I like about it, it's like going to a wedding or a funeral. All of a sudden, you're sitting at a table full of sometimes a lot of strangers. But just like you did just now, you went out and you made, in a few minutes, made a lot of contacts with those yeah. people that are very meaningful. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. and hopefully, we'll, you know, you'll be in touch again. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, and so for that time, while we send label work community, mm -hmm. and then people disperse, and then maybe you'll see some of them back again. I mean, we always have new people. We have people that always come. We have some that come intermittently. Um, and I think, I like, I'm lucky to have gotten this far in life, but I think it, it's very easy for me to pull on my parents. The door to my parents' house was always open, and I remember that. And I, I, it's nice to have come to this point. I know when you're, a lot of times when you're working a different job, you can't do that. But I, I like to have that open door mm -hmm. policy that people are welcome here, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that uh, that we are a community and that we care very much about being good neighbors and that. One thing that I so appreciated about the younger generation and seeing how my kids operate and then all of their peers and you know, the whole bigger thing, um, how they partner and make businesses work and help each other out. Mm -hmm. And things are win-win. Like in addition to labeling, one of the quirky things that happened first year, things that we had no idea, I mean, we didn't know anything about this, 
and um, we would have at least a call a day. People would want a bottle of whiskey for a basket, whether it was Haiti or cancer, and it was all stuff we wanted to do it, but we didn't have bottles. You know, we had like we would have maybe out of one barrel we would get 250 bottles. Mm -hmm. We were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and we you know couldn't just be handing them all out. And also, we realized that we you know, we started out doing that first, and then we realized we also would need somebody full time to just shield field the calls and then mm -hmm. take care of all the paperwork for both sides and mm -hmm. all of that. So Meredith said, we're doing, after about a month of this, mm -hmm. she said, we're doing Bantam Nights. Mm -hmm. And those have been so popular mm -hmm. and so, and it's so win-win. Mm -hmm. So you're doing good in Pittsburgh, but that's really morphed into you do, you're doing good anywhere mm -hmm. in the United States or the world. Mm -hmm. You can work with our Bantam uh, manager. Um, Use one of our, we now have five or six spaces, use one of those spaces for free and our staff will be in an evening, showcase what you do, mm -hmm. and you get 10% of the bottle sales. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's obviously if you come to Wiggle and the tasting is closed, you have the whole space to yourself. Mm -hmm. Or Threadbare is huge, mm -hmm. um, and I know we've had OT events over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, it's, it's helpful for a small business like us because it brings in people that might not know anything about us who might think, oh, I was, at some point I wanted to go there, but then this would be like the incentive to, to go spend time. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. Now, back to the, could you actually talk more about how like the Pittsburgh community influences like the direction of your business or you know the events that you plan and that kind of thing, if at all? Um, a lot. It is. It's a, <laughs> yeah. a lot. And it's, I guess it's micro and macro. So mm -hmm. we have um, another thing that's happened, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm sort of seeing it from the back end. Mm -hmm. um, but when we started, my daughter and I did all the events. And then it morphed into doing the phantoms. Mm -hmm. So that meant hearing from the community what good was going on out there, mm -hmm. and how can we help that keep happening. And then, so we have those events, and then we have events in which we're promoting products. We have continuous new products, so if you look at our product line, and so there are continuous ways that we um, introduce our, our new products, but we always do it with at least two other partners. Mm -hmm. So we'll do maybe our Product, but then maybe we'll partner with another um, small craft place like Maggie's Farm Rock or a chocolate place that's mm -hmm. using our product in their chocolate or mm -hmm. Millie's, the ice cream place, mm -hmm. um, or with one of the many incredible institutions like the Heinz History Center. Mm -hmm. We've done several collaborations with them mm -hmm. that are phenomenal because they involve both history and product. Mm -hmm. and, um, and also just places like the aviary. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that's really interesting, we have, um, even though we're dealing with whiskey, so that's obviously we aren't really a kid place, mm -hmm. but we do a lot of fundraisers for schools. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, uh, so in that part, I'm trying, I realize I, I might not have answered your question well, but. 
I think on an event by event thing, whether mm -hmm. it's us promoting our products and partnering with other people mm -hmm. or with them coming to us, mm -hmm. I think we kind of have tentacles on almost everything that's going on mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. Which is awesome. One way or the other. Yeah. 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 And it just has kind of happened. It's like a tapestry. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just keeps going. Yeah. Now back to the actual, um, and I mean that's amazing, but back to the whiskey part of things. You seem like, from what I've gathered with like, you know, sangria and whatever, you seem to have a very, I take it you like sweet things, I'm assuming. <laughs> so for me at least, whiskey was such an acquired taste. Like I, when I first tried it, I didn't like it. So I want to know like what your feelings towards whiskey were like through like, did you even like it in the beginning? And like, I when did you start liking whiskey? I didn't know, my parents weren't drinkers. I didn't know anything about whiskey. You mm -hmm. know, occasional glass of wine, you know, on holidays or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and when we first started making it, we made white whiskey, which is very, like mm -hmm. if you're used to a really good whiskey, you don't like white whiskey. And mm -hmm. we put them in cocktails. And mm -hmm. we still have the original. We have the Smallman Street Snail with mm -hmm. our white rye. Mm -hmm. And we used to make with the white meat. Those were our little two products. Mm -hmm. We made this really fun one with, um, it was, oh, I don't even remember it because it was so good. It was equal parts of white wheat mm -hmm. and um, half and half cream. Mm -hmm. oh, what was it? Oh, I'll think of it for the thing. But anyway, it was so creamy and good mm -hmm. at the holidays. Um, but um, to get back to your point, mm -hmm. the, the whiskeys initially were not, mm -hmm. um, like something I would get really excited about. Mm -hmm. But what did get me really excited, our kids presented this idea. We kind mm -hmm. of, Mike and I, the three were sitting down because we kind of fell over. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that very week, um, I was folding the laundry and I happened to have the History Channel on mm -hmm. at home. And a program came up, How Whiskey Made America. Oh. And it not only went back through our history and the Whiskey Rebellion, but it went back 3,000 years. Wow. And it took us to the cradle of civilization mm -hmm. and to the Moors bringing it over. It took us to how it was used for medicinally at first. And then they started making brandies with fruits, mm -hmm. perfumes. Mm -hmm. um, and then when it crossed over into, uh, Mark and I lived in Scotland for four months. Mm -hmm. When it crossed over into the, um, um, uh, the, the British Isles, they didn't fruit, so they distilled what they had, which was grains, which mm -hmm. is our, our whiskey, their scotches. And yeah. um, and just incredibly rich history and culture. Mm -hmm. It literally means water of life in old Gaelic, mm -hmm. whiskey being. Uh, and I learned just in this short show that, you know, crazy King Henry VIII, mm -hmm. um, he couldn't have a son with his different wives, mm -hmm. so he wanted an almond, the Pope would give him an almond. So he um, created the Church of England, mm -hmm. which put the priests and the monks out of work. Mm -hmm. And they went up to Scotland, to Edinburgh, and started making whiskey to sustain themselves. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. And the road from Edinburgh to London was paid and paid to collect the taxes oh my on goodness. the whiskey because they were so good at it, obviously. So that was, when I started hearing that heritage and culture, my kids knew they could <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I'll drink anything, but they could hook me on that. Uh -huh. So that was kind of what mm -hmm. was fueling me at the beginning. I mean, they wanted to make it a community place. I, did, I didn't have trouble with that part. But then when Meredith took our white rye whiskey, and she did a, a history of gin, 
which 600 years ago, mm -hmm. sailors were using our recipe mm -hmm. uh, for uh, to fight malaria and scurvy and see. Mm. Uh, at least How'd that work for them? Sailors, I guess it worked okay. They mixed it with a little uh, quinine water. <laughs> gin and tonic. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that, yeah, that, <laughs> so, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. um, so that, um, and I really like the gin, because mm -hmm. that had all those different um, mm -hmm. uh, gin, let me think what it's got in it. It's, it's very different than a London dry gin. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's very floral and so that part was fun, and then we started doing the rums. So I got into on the create, just the creativity part with mm -hmm. like making sangrias and making the cocktails yeah. um, with that. Yeah. So who comes up with the like flavors, like the types of whiskey, like the smoked That's and the roasty, like that kind of stuff? Roasted. It's, it's a. Um, we have several people on board that have very developed, sophisticated palates, mm -hmm. and they're much more savvy than I am about what all is out there, and what they think people like, and what they like, and just experimentally what they like to try. So another thing that happened along the way, my daughter, uh, for several years, I don't think she currently is, but she's taught classes at Chatham, the Food and Studies program, mm -hmm. and they have, it's a graduate program. And so two of our products were made through the year-long class that she taught, where the students researched them. Our apple whiskey walkabout mm -hmm. and the afterglow of ginger whiskey, two of my favorites. Mm -hmm. They spent a whole year mm -hmm. researching, sourcing ingredients, mm -hmm. getting the label, making it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and actually, we have hired mm -hmm. several graduates from that program. Wow. We have like Michael Fogarty. Now, we distiller, and also he developed a lot of our products, mm -hmm. like the coffee or the rhubarb, the, you know, like the many, many that he mm -hmm. has developed. And then there are other ones like Taylor Inspector Distilling now, this really fine palette. I mean, they have those big, complicated wheels that, label wheels that they work from. So how did you branch into cider after all of this relationship with whiskey? Well, that was uh, one of those kind of quirky, you know, that's the way this whole business is gone, but um, when uh, the kids started making, first we needed enough white whiskey to get going, and then they started making the whiskey and putting in barrels. And then we kept running out of space to put the barrels, so, mm -hmm. we, to, so we bought the barrel house on the north side. But then Meredith starts doing all these events over there, so we have weddings and concerts mm -hmm. and all, so there's, we run out of the barrels. And then a little further down, Mark had seen that there was a moving a trucking company for sale. very close to the barrel house and it's actually an easy shot to get over from Wiggle, it's just a mile and a half into both those places. Um, and so we bought that and then tucked away, it was I think 30,000 square feet, but it was worked uh, by this huge big blue warehouse that had part of the truck and storage company. And it turned out it was a building from 1860, it was a tannery. Mm -hmm. It's just full of history. Day, it was one of two major tanneries that killed the city. They employed over half the population. And as we got went through it, I mean, it was in horrific condition. It had been chopped up into all these different offices, and um, uh, but we saw potential. It was a beautiful stone and brick building. Mm -hmm. 
and Mary's perception, she walked in and said, this is just begging to be a cider house. <laughs> and, um, so I think they had, in addition to the love of whiskey, they had a love of, of the spirits of the mm -hmm. cider, uh, yeah. lovely. Mm -hmm. And then we just, just quickly lucked thing, we got Brian and Ben for our cider makers, and we couldn't have found a better duo. That's amazing. Very, Easily one of my favorite spots in the city. Oh, it's just beautiful. Right, right. Yeah. So you kind of like were explaining like what your favorite product was. You said it was probably the um, the apple and the afterglow. One of my personal favorites, and it was the first um, it was the first bottle I bought when I turned twenty one. Um, it was the City of Champions bourbon. So can you tell me a little bit about that, why it's named City of Champions sure. and that kind of thing? Because I, sure. that is a good bourbon. It is a good bourbon. And what's unique about it, you know, we have three bourbons, if you look mm -hmm. on our shelf, actually a few more, because we also have now have a smoked bourbon and a Madeira bourbon, that's okay, a barrel from Spain. Um, the City of Champions bourbon, we like to keep that on hand because of the beautiful way open part. It's made just like our yellow corn bourbon, but what sets it apart is that it just comes from one barrel. So the yellow corn barrel is four different barrels that are blended, but this is a single barrel. Wow. Would you say that one's like your most popular, I feel? Because like... They're all fun. <laughs> they're all fun. Yeah, they're all <laughs> Yes, they are. people like them for different reasons, mm -hmm. but there are some people that yeah. I mean, it'll be a Christmas present. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good bourbon. I, I was telling um, Hattie, who was, you know, making the yeah. drinks, I've never had a bad, I've never had a bad product from here, so it's, yeah, no, that's really cool. So considering, like, the Pittsburgh influence behind the City of Champions, what is the most meaningful part of Pittsburgh to you? Since you know the area, you've, you're well-connected with community, um, what does it mean to you to be here to have your business? No, it's so special to me, I can't even describe it. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I was born actually at Mercy Hospital. My mother mm -hmm. went through um, training, nurses training during the depression mm -hmm. uh, to be a nurse. That was she to put herself through school. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like a real connection there. My dad was a um, construction foreman for over 40 years for Bell Telephone, except for five years that he was in the war. I know this wasn't his office that was on Logan's birthday, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's here. So that oh, wow. 
I, I feel a connection from you know all those different ages from, and it's a crossroads because we're the strip obviously now we just drive through and it's building and building mm -hmm. and it's very different. It's hot it's more working and more tech always education and healthcare top of that. Um, but it's it's really interesting to have a foot in the past and be very busy with the present, but also have a like a window into the future. Yeah. And I, I that. That's awesome. What do you think your hopes are for the future of Wiggle? Um, I hope I hope it continues to thrive and I hope it continues I mean we always say without we really aren't. Um, I hope that we continue to grow with the ever-changing needs of community. And you know, we live in a face you know, that we live in a tumultuous time. I think, and I think that if we can be a place where it makes, like to me, libraries become all the more important. Mm -hmm. um, education becomes all the more important, um, and I think community centers become all the more important. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think. One of the reasons our labor credits have been so successful because technology has opened up many doors, but it's often people work by themselves and feel, you know, not as connected. Mm -hmm. And I think to find places of connection mm -hmm. uh, are very significant. So I, I hope we can continue that. Well, I think you're doing a wonderful job of it. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. I think, you know, you've talked a lot about how, like, the Pittsburgh community, like, you know, is a part of Wiggle, but I'm going to be honest, like when, you know, I go to events and certain things, or like when I'm at the Omni, or because my parents stay at the Omni whenever they visit, or like anything like that, I feel like Wiggle is really like, I mean, the Pittsburgh community is a part of Wiggle, but Wiggle is a part of the Pittsburgh yeah, community. You're everywhere. Like, you guys are everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see an event on Facebook every like two days, and they all seem so fun. It's very dynamic. Yes. Right. So if you have, Anything you want to talk about that's coming up with whiskey, Events, like with Wiggle. labeling parties, if you want to advertise those for people to participate, oh, we'd love to. So tell us. the people. Yes. Well, what I would like to say first is we have a lot of seasonal things that uh, come up that are just very special. So keep in mind, we have usually two weekends in December that we have um, Santa come to the Barrel House, and it comes with hot toddies and chocolate and, mm -hmm. uh, for the adults. And um, it's it's just very fun uh, to buy your Christmas tree at, at the Barrel House and then head down to Threadbeer mm -hmm. for a pizza. Mm -hmm. um, and Santa has also come to Threadbeer, so check the calendar because mm -hmm. it could be at both places. Mm -hmm. And then as far as Wiggle goes, uh, we have probably five new releases coming up this month, and there are parties, mm -hmm. one party after the next, but our Rudolph that we've done with Great Lakes mm -hmm. in uh, 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 Cleveland mm -hmm. is really popular mm -hmm. and really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's the coolest little label, but it's really good. Yep. And then we have Northern Exposure coming up, and we have several several new products that are just going to be fabulous. So there'll be event parties associated with them, but of course just come by a bottle if you can't make it to the event. And the same thing with our new ciders. We have several ciders that are going to be um, coming up. And I'm blocking on names because there's so many of them. <laughs> but, but that's another thing to be checking for. Okay. 
I'm so excited. That's <laughs> yeah. And um, for people that want to come to label, what times can they do that, and what can they expect? Um, we will pretty much 99% of every Tuesday at 6 o'clock, Tuesday in the evening, 6 o'clock, uh, we'll be labeling. And then Sunday mornings are quieter with 9 a.m. in the morning. And if you'd like to come, um, just email me, Mary Ellen at wigglewhiskey.com. And also, you'll see the Tuesday evening ones uh, posted on our event page. You can sign up that way as well on our website. Well, thank you so much for coming on this. This was this was great. Thanks for your thanks for your great recipe. And thank you to all of you who are listening, not only the first time but the second and third time. That's what I gotta say. Um, and I'm Liz Mannion. I'm Allie Stewart. Thank you guys.